Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome to episode three of Gamer Heroes, the video game-centric podcast on the Heroes Podcast Network. I am one of your three regular hosts, Derek, and I have my other two regular hosts, uh, David. Yo, yo, yo. And John. Hi again. So welcome back, everybody. Uh, Last week, John and I talked about the Nintendo Switch presentation. So if you want our thoughts on that, go check out episode two on uh, iTunes or whatever. So, guys, what are we going to be talking about today? Well, we got all all kinds of things to talk about. Uh, <laughs> we get to talk about uh, what the Nintendo Switch upcoming uh, release with Breath of the Wild, which is going to be awesome. Uh, we're also talking about, I think our main subject, isn't it going to be the retro gaming? What yes. really qualifies as retro gaming? Um. Yeah, I think that was it. Was there other stuff that we were going to do? Was, there was some news. There were some news bits we wanted to discuss, uh, Injustice particularly, and oh. some, more, <laughs> some, some more Switch stuff. So mm-hmm. uh, I think we should dive right in. What do you guys think? Yeah, let's do it. So for those who really paid attention last week, uh, we are not doing mobile gaming tonight. We'll, we're going we're gonna to do that one a little bit later. We've got some ideas for it, but it wasn't quite ready where we wanted it, so we'll come back with that one. But uh, – yeah, so we got the first trailer for Injustice 2, which drops. Um, Holy shit. That's all I can say. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's an April release or something like that. April 20-something. Does that yeah. sound right? Yeah. It's it's a spring release. That That's like, that's all we need to know. <laughs> that's, all you, that's all you need to know. Um, so what would you guys think of the trailer? I mean, I think it's fantastic. I would like to... I would like to see more of what they're going to do with Supergirl, but I definitely like that they're uh, incorporating some some new folks into it. I, I gotta, I mean, I gotta be honest. I've never been a huge fan of what Injustice did necessarily with the stylization. The comic? Uh, How about no, the no, comic? no, no, I haven't touched the comic. That, that's not this podcast. But, <laughs> okay, okay, <laughs> but just the armor. And I think that it had a negative impact on the Justice League movie coming out with how Flash is going to look. Uh, also, not this podcast. Sorry, Derek. That's your territory. No, no, um, it's, it's it's a fair comparison. <laughs> but I mean, I'm still I'm still really stoked. I mean, I think they had to add some kind of mechanic to flavor it up. And you know, if it's going to be that like your armor progressively gets more and more um, Daft Punk as you go, then so <laughs> be it. Um, I'm. I'm okay with that, but I really, I really yeah. enjoy the fact that they made it a story and that they're going to carry on with, um, you know, it being something deeper than just a fighting game. Um, hopefully, though, the characters are going to get a lot cooler. Uh, if I don't see Lobo, I'm going to riot. That's all there is to it. Yeah, I mean, DLC I, man, that's what they did last game. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I believe they said there's eight or nine DLC characters currently planned, um, which feels like a lot. 
All for thirty four ninety nine. <laughs> well, so, it's just please don't put an MK character in there again, Scorpion particularly. <laughs> that was just like a cop out. We're out of characters, even though there's like I don't know Martian Manhunter who would be really cool. Um, no, we'll just go ahead and put it. Mortal, we'll just put a uh, Scorpion in there. He's a fan favorite. Please don't let it be that. Ed Boone, if you're watching or listening, don't do that again. Right. I'll I'll still take Goro over John Stewart though. Just saying. Ooh, that's some fighting words. That that there. hurts me deep. John Stewart's <laughs> my favorite GL, but uh, uh, he's just as boring. Never mind. No, you know what? That's that's for another episode. It's another sure. time. Um, but I will say this though: talk, you made the joke about the thirty four ninety nine for the DLC. What do you guys think about you know games like this, fighting games like this, having the full sixty dollar price tag, and then you have to buy half a dozen or more characters later? Um, I'll chime in first. First thing for me is exploited gonna... dude. <laughs> no. Uh, first thing for me is if if you're gonna offer uh, DLC. Why don't you offer new uh, stages? New new stages is like a very rare thing to see in fighting games. They all they often give you new characters, which is great. But I want some new stages. The thing I loved about Mortal Kombat specifically is Mortal Kombat uh, X or or nine, whatever is better for you. Um, they had stage fatalities. So, as you know from the previous Injustice game, you are kicking the shit out of each other and you are throwing each other into the edge of the map and the map's throwing you across another map which brings you back to the same map um i want some new maps mainly but care character wise i i don't like paying for them i i don't i don't i sure as hell will not do the season pass because then you end up with uh, scorpion or somebody you didn't want you know so i i would rather just pick and choose who i want when i want i think to, to piggyback off that, I think what needs to happen, because you're not the only person that feels that way. I feel that way. I'm, I'm not going to pay $25 for a season's pass to get you know, Jason Voorhees and a bunch of other yeah. crap I don't care about. Uh, I think they need to kind of follow in the the shadow of Telltale Games, how they release things as like story waves. You know, If they're really going to make these fighting games into something a little bit deeper, then maybe they should invest in doing, like, different chapters that they release with these fighting games. And then you could throw in also a new contender, a new fighter that goes along with it. Um, you know, kind of build it into its own little comic thing and, and make it that way so that people who are paying the con- paying for the extra content aren't waiting for some fighter that they're going to hate or some fighter that's stupid fucking broken on purpose because he's flavor of the month. Um, you're, getting, right. you're getting a story with it. And not only that, but that'll then help you increase... You know, your demographic to people who are more than just, you know, DC fans or 14-year-old boys that like to talk shit on on the internet playing this game. You also get the story fan involved. Uh, And, you know, a good story will hook me. So I think that's that's the route maybe they need to consider going. I don't think they'll do it, but I think that's the route they should consider going. I think that's a really cool idea, personally. Um, I, I love fighting games, I do, but it's hard to justify the $60 cost and then yeah, another like 35 bucks on top of it by the time you're done. And there really isn't story. I mean, look at street fighter five. Yeah. That's story mode to call that story mode is, I would say it's a joke, but it's more of an insult to the term story mode. Definitely. You know, um, and I'm not saying that the game itself as a fighting game is bad, but that's not a story mode. It's not, you know, and if I'm spending 60 bucks for a title, I, I expect it to be 
really robust and fairly complete. Um, I know we don't really want to go into a huge conversation on DLC and season passes, but I'd like to see this game come out at the $40 range or something like that. Well, and they've got since, so of course they carried Injustice on as a comic book series and it's been right. running. And it's it was good plenty, too. Yeah, it's plenty popular. So I don't know why since you got all that extra material in comic books after, you can't then try and integrate some of that stuff into new stuff for Injustice too. I know it's going to be a little different storyline, but you can at least borrow some of the ideas from it and then get the comic book nerds, maybe some of the casual comic book readers who just kind of like the Injustice storyline that they picked up after playing the video game into playing it again. And I think that'd be that'd be a good way to go. But yeah, what do I, mean, I know? No, as somebody who I read the entire first year, um, and the only reason I stopped was actually because they switched from monthly um, to like weekly digitals. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they would release larger sets and I, I just, it was a separate title and I lost it. Um, I have those if you need them. So <laughs> <laughs> I intended to catch up though, cause it was really good. Um, it was a really nice way to expand on the game, the first game, um, which, you know, was really kind of a cool, a cool story as a fun premise. Um, but, uh, yeah, I would like to see them leverage some of that. I mean, they put a lot of money DC did anyway into the comic book story. There's so much going on there that why not leverage that in the game if you're going to keep making them? So. Well, I, I kind of felt that we saw, at least in from the, the most recent trailer that dropped, uh, a little more of the comic in, in this trailer. The last trailer was obviously to get us pumped up. Um, in the first game, they didn't really give us all of that information, so I feel like this one's kind of... They, they realize that their comic book has been successful and now they're saying, well, we're want to be a little we want to be a little more faithful to the comic. At least it, that's what it looks like so far, because uh, I, I followed it just as just as long as you did about Derek. It, it got really weird with the digital and yeah. um, I bought a couple and, and then I just lost it all together. But I love the storyline. I thought it was great. I like I want to know how they're going to work Supergirl into this. Yeah, I mean, um, she's it's, really cool. It's a cool, great addition, <laughs> especially since her show is so popular right now. Yeah, to really play off of kind of her renaissance as a character. I, I mean, I'm pumped for that. Um, and I mean, well, come from, on, those the graphics. I know it's not obviously gameplay; it's cutscene stuff, but it was pretty cool looking. They're good. Oh yeah, it, it, the the coolest thing about Injustice, and they've always had this flair about them, is the costumes. Man, they do some solid work on the costumes. I know Superman and Supergirl don't really need armor, but it's still badass, you know. Well, I, <laughs> I mean, just love that. Supes doesn't really wear armor; he just has a different suit. But uh, yeah, I, I know that uh, Dave is not the biggest fan of some of that style. I think it works for some characters. I don't Batman think it works for all with, of them. With, with uh, Kryptonite lined in his suit, how badass was that? At least I'm assuming it's Kryptonite. It could be Green Lantern. No, I mean it's, it's Kryptonite. Just, it's just LEDs. Just LEDs. Just LEDs. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, go ahead. No, I, I thought that it worked really well for Batman. But to David's point, I felt like for the Flash, it was a little over the top because he still is, has to run at these you know near light speeds, and I feel like an armor suit doesn't mesh well with that Makes concept. Sense. Oh, it doesn't make sense. Look at him yeah, in Justice wait League. Down. <laughs> right, right. You know, and I mean, I guess he's taken that special pill that they have to give him the superpowers and all that that he doesn't have. Um, but you know, for Batman, it works because Batman is a f- he's that kind of character, and he's worn armor before in other other contexts. So, 
But, well, and lanterns can pull it off because they manifest their armor, and it's a manifestation of whatever their will and their thought is, and you know that that's really cool. But putting armor on on Flash like that is kind of like when they did the Iron Spider thing for Spider Man. Yeah. He doesn't need it. Everybody knows he doesn't need it. It just kind of looks gaudy and terrible. Um, and that's that's where I'm with it. I'm also a little bit of a purist, not entirely so, but a little bit of a purist. I don't think you need to add tack a bunch of extra shit on there to make it really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, just you know, enhance what they've got, make the visual graphics for Speed Force stuff be really cool, and and you know, you're solid. But you know, if they're really gonna branch out into this this story thing that they have kind of tread water in a little bit. They need to embrace it, and I think if they embrace it, they're going to find that they've got a lot more going for them uh, than just puking out new fighting games every so often. So, yeah, I think that's fair. All right, so let's uh, let's move on to the next thing. Um, so we uh, we'll talk about Breath of the Wild here in just a moment, but I did want to point out that uh, the Nintendo Switch, as far as GameStop's concerned, sold out of its entire allotment of pre-orders um, in just about like three days. Which uh, was pretty impressive, I thought. Um, was there anything new that came out since last week's podcast about the Switch that you thought was worth noting? Um, I'd say a couple more launch titles is nice and a little more information. I know you had mentioned you were going to get the uh, the Afterbirth Plus. Uh, yeah, the, the Binding, Binding Isaac. Isaac. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's a launch title now, which is cool. I've never played that franchise before, so this is a good time to jump in on it because it's kind of like a definitive set. And it's cheap. It's only a $40 title, um, which which is a nice thing to kind of bring in. And, you know, when you if you pre-order on Amazon and you're a Prime member, then it comes down to 32 bucks. So definitely seems worth it from that standpoint. Um, so, yeah, having that as a, as a launch title is good. Uh, Bomberman R is supposed to be a launch title as well. That's a $50 title, which is interesting that it's splitting the difference. Um, as big of a Bomberman fan I am, I, I love Bomberman. It doesn't feel like a $60 title. Um, and so $40 is what I was looking for. I wanted it to be a $40 title. Coming in at 50 is a little confusing. Um, I'm not sure. I guess that means that they think that it's better than the $40 titles, but not as good as the $60 titles. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I think before they start putting things at 50 and $60, they need to be realistic about what the, the, uh, crowd for that is. Um, right. because you know, breath of the wild, I would not be surprised if it's a 50 or $60 title, any of the Mario's, anything related to Mario, uh, for the most part, 50 or $60 title. Um, Smash Bros. If they, you know, I'm sure they're going to do another one of those. Um, you know, fifty or sixty dollar title. You start getting into to Bomberman and some of the stuff that's a little bit more off the beaten path. You know, people like like uh, you know us, we would know, you know, and have familiarity with it. But it's not something that I think it's going to command that. And so what happens is people see fifty dollars on it and they just kind of walk by and get something else or. You know, they look at this launch and they go, I'm not going to pay $50 for the Bomberman game. So it makes it so that there's kind of a, a lack of enthusiasm. And that's what really disappointed me. I'm sorry I wasn't with you guys for the Switch uh, announcement. But I just felt like when I looked at the titles, there wasn't enough there to really get me hyped up. Now, right. most systems do that in that they don't really have enough stuff ready when they launch to warrant all the hype that's going to go behind them. Um, 
But Nintendo, I guess I had built up my expectations for because I felt like Nintendo as a company has done a really good job. Uh, if anything, making sure that they're, they're consistent and that there's some quality behind it. And so that you don't feel like maybe you're wasting your money. I just don't feel like right now that going and getting the switch right away is worth my while, as opposed to waiting till the end of March, picking up breath of the wild, see what shakes out with the switch and see how it goes kind of saved my money a little bit. Now, if there were more titles that made me nerd out completely about it, yeah, yeah, maybe I would go ahead and overlook my common sense there, and I would go spend a butt-ton of money. (laughs) But as it is right now, I mean, there's just not enough titles to kind of sucker me in and get my impulse buyer going out and wanting to get that right away. That nails 100% what I said. Uh, I feel the same way, man. I'm really disappointed that they pushed Odyssey, so Mario Odyssey, so far out. Yeah. Really disappointed in that. I mean, the thing is that there hasn't been a launch Mario title in a few generations. I don't I know, remember but if Summer... there was one for GameCube, but there wasn't one for the Wii or the Wii U. So we have to go back to the GameCube or maybe even the 64 for a Mario launch title. Well, yeah, I mean, Mario 64 was one of the launch titles for the Nintendo 64. But I would say that maybe... While that may not have been the case, if we look at some of the struggles that Nintendo has had, maybe that's something that can kind of be pointed out as contributing factor to it. If you don't have enough stuff that people are hyped about at launch to get in and do the GameStop pre-order, um, then you're going to have issues with that thing having enough hype to kind of propel it forward, I think. Uh, and if you are Nintendo, you have a couple of titles that are really what get people hyped for you and mm-hmm. what they think of when they think of Nintendo. You've got Zelda, and they've got that checked off, but you're going to get that on the Wii U. they got Mario. Um, they've got, let's see, Zelda, Mario. They've Mario got Kart, Zelda, Donkey, Donkey Kong, Kong all Splatoon's that sort of new, but that, that was a major Splatoon's hit. Splatoon's got some hype behind it, totally. Yeah. So, I mean, you've got some of these key figures that are are key figures not to just Nintendo, but are kind of key figures for everybody who's a gamer. Everybody knows these guys. These are the bedrock of gaming. Um, and if you don't really pimp that enough or put that out there as kind of your flagship, then you're going to have trouble, I think, getting enough air in your sails, enough wind in your sails to necessarily move forward in the way that they want to, especially when they're doing all kinds of new, crazy, innovative stuff that's really great. But I think you have to pair innovation with also the exciting titles to go behind it. Um, and that's that's what I'm hoping maybe something comes up. I'm hoping it catches my attention that way. But I just didn't feel that when I looked at the list of titles and, and everything that came out from it. Well, it's eight games. It's eight games. Nine games now. With well, but Earth. I mean that's, that's what the Wii launched with too. So I think that – I think we're a little more critical of it because of the Wii U's lack of success. I don't want to use the term failure necessarily – because it still, you know, sold like 13 million consoles, but um, you know, the the Wii U just didn't sell, and so you know, Breath of the Wild is yeah, it's releasing on Wii U, and we'll talk about that actually in just a moment. Um, but doing the cross launch as they did for Twilight Princess on GameCube and Wii, I just don't think that they're betting on. They're not focusing on the Wii U audience. They're focusing on everybody else. Uh, because if you have a Wii U, you're probably going to want to get a Switch because you are you drink the Nintendo Kool-Aid like I do. But if you don't have a Wii U, then it doesn't matter what, what else they launch on the Wii U at this point. Um, so I think launching with Zelda is something that they've, they've done a few times, um, and it's been really successful for them. 
and then coming back with Mario later around the holiday season in this case, I think is going to be a huge way for them to get a ton of sales for Christmas after the the hype for the console has really died down. Oh, they'll so, do a bundle. You know they will. Right. So, but uh, but anyway, so let's let's talk for a minute about Breath of the Wild. So this will be officially the final first party title uh, released for the Wii U, which will be March third. Um, and it's it's kind of interesting actually because if you look at Nintendo's history, three different console generations have ended on a Zelda game, which is kind of a, a fun little note. Uh, Majora's Mask for the uh, the sixty four. Um, and then the GameCube uh, had Twilight Princess, and now we've got Breath of the Wild for the the Wii U. Yeah. Do you guys think yeah, that's Zelda, on purpose? Zelda's become the harbinger, the harbinger of doom for whatever <laughs> system is out right there. I guess that's what it really looks like. It's a, well, it's they, a little they, weird. they reversed it. <laughs> yeah, um, it's a little interesting, right? Uh, and now the, you could kind of also say it's been a launch title for two generations with the Wii and the Switch. So. There's some different ways to look at that, but, um, you know, how do you guys feel about them ending Wii U on that note while launching Switch at the same time? Uh, I'm not a big fan. I, I mean, I've, I've voiced that. Uh, I don't, I don't like them. Okay. So when you look at, at Xbox and PlayStation, when they have a new system come out, for a little while longer, if you have the older system, you can still get some of the beginning launch titles on on the older system. I'm sorry, you can get the, the new titles on the older system that normally are going to come out for the new system. Um, it's not just an immediate sort of cutoff, and I feel like uh, doing that makes it sort of blatantly obvious. It's like, hey, get the hell off the Wii U. We want you to get to the Switch. And, and maybe that's not what it is, but that's kind of what it feels like. Well, there there is a difference though between first party titles and just titles in general. You know, I mean, when the Xbox One came out, it wasn't like they were going to release Halo Five on the 360. Sure. You know? So, but there were sure. still there were still other game, EA games and, and things like that. Now, Wii U doesn't have that kind of support, um, but the Wii did. You know, and so the Wii got games for a couple of years after the Wii U launched, um, and the Wii U, I think, will still get some, but I think it's a lack of popularity that's probably going to keep that down. Right. I, I, I think it's kind of a bad – it's either a marketing genius to force people away from, well, why would you buy the Wii U when you can just buy the new Nintendo Switch and have the same game kind of thing? Why don't you why, – why wouldn't you want better graphics? You might as well buy the new one. But it's just going to leave a bad taste in people's mouth is how I well, feel. And not only that, one – I mean, I saw some of the Breath of the Wild, the Breath of the Wild graphics. Uh, a lot of it looks really good, and I like it. But it's not next gen, you know. It's not the the next big, big super graphic title no, um, no. that differentiates it. And I think what what I fear will happen is if Nintendo does with the Switch what they did with the Wii, and they shit the bed on how many of these consoles that they have available, and it becomes super hard to get. You match super hard to get with a lack of enthusiasm with the total number of titles and which titles there are, and that's how you get things like like what happened with the Wii and with the Wii U. So I think they need to probably look at that and make sure that they've got plenty of these things to be in every household uh, if they really want that to, to do well. Well, I, I don't think you can loop the Wii and the Wii U in as the same situation. The Wii was very successful. You know, it, it sold tens of millions of, of consoles and, and things of that nature. The Wii U was not successful. 
But how long did it take to actually get one? I mean, I understand that you measure you're measuring the success on how many of the the consoles sold, but I remember when the thing initially launched, getting a hold of one was ridiculously stupid, and for me, that that turned me off from it. I didn't want to have to to fight through you know Black Friday crowds or whatever in order to get this this thing, and it stayed hard to get for a long time. Um, it wasn't something that was rectified right away, so. I don't disagree with that. I mean, I I just mean that the the sales for the Wii were overwhelming. The Wii U wasn't hard to get. There was just no interest in it. And so I just think there's an important distinction. That's that's all. Nobody really wanted the Wii U. I mean, me, who's just, as you guys can tell, a huge Nintendo fan, I still waited almost nine months to pick up a Wii U because there wasn't much to play on it. But the Wii, I camped out for the Wii. You know, because um, I, I I was hyped for that, and it had you know eight or nine launch titles um, that night and things like that. And um, it was the first of its kind, you know, playing with the motion controls and such. Well, it was very. Me, it had was, a lot of gimmicky stuff. Is there, what I'm saying. there was a gap for me. I didn't own a GameCube, so I was jumping from the 64 to the Wii, and um, you know, I had had an Xbox, uh, you know, but uh, you know, so for me, I was really excited about about all that. So I just think that Nintendo didn't anticipate. The, the volume, um, but the Wii U, nobody was really interested. So I think really the the Zelda thing then going back to that would be, what's the point in continuing to develop for a console that really nobody bought? And I think that if it had huge sales numbers, then yeah, it, it would feel like they're just pushing people to the Switch. But I think this is more of, all right, we get it. Nobody really cared about the Wii U. So let's just move on and focus our efforts on the new console to get it right. Okay, and I'll, and I'll admit some some bias on my part in that uh, I just got a Wii U last Christmas because I was able to get it for two hundo at uh, Nebraska Furniture Mart. So um, to me, it's like I just got this, and you know that's not for everybody. So maybe that's a personal bias, and maybe that's just a little of my own bitterness that kind of bleeds through there. Um, but damn, I don't want them to just quit quit like that, especially since I'm apprehensive about. The Switch, you know, maybe if I felt a little bit more confident uh, about what was going to happen with the Switch, how it was going to go, um, you know, maybe I wouldn't care as much. But I don't know. Well, look, yeah, you know, if you ever need some some game ideas, I own more Wii U games than my Xbox One and PS4 combined. So wow. there, there's a lot of titles out there. People just un- unfortunately lost interest before they were available. It was a slow burn and uh people just weren't interested by then because by then you had these next gen consoles that you know got all the attention so um there's a lot out there for you to play and they're keeping support for the console for the foreseeable future because they don't want to shut down mario kart or splatoon they have very large uh, online communities so you'll still be able to, to do a lot um with that um all right so let's 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 segue on then any any other news that you guys want to discuss Anything big? Not really, no. man. Honest, okay. Honestly, Switch has been the news all along, and obviously it looks like it's going to be very successful since people are selling out left and right within the first week. Um, I picked up my own personal one. I know Derek did. Um, <laughs> I, I just, I'm hopeful for it, but again, it just, again, it's just, that's the buzz right now. No one's really talking about anything else so <laughs> fair enough um any new gameplay have you guys started any new games since the last week or so worth worth noting i've kind of i've i dove head first into gears of war 2 um after beating gears of war 1 i'm going through the franchise now and uh 
Yeah, the second game's all right. Uh, it's, I, I feel like they went a little, uh, a little too over the top at, at a few times. It's, uh, the cheesiness of the bad dialogue that's in the first one is a little stale by two. Um, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm curious to see where things go. There's, you know, there's some story threads going through and I, I don't have the spoilers. I've been able to kind of keep those away over all the years. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see where that goes, but that's what, that's mainly what I'm playing. So. Uh, just Overwatch for me. Just Overwatch, Overwatch, <laughs> Overwatch. Um, you know, as you guys know, I recently picked up a computer, so I've been playing, or built one with the help of Derek over there, and uh, been playing Overwatch just nonstop, man. So, you mean you mean Derek built one with the help of your wallet? No, that's right. No, that's right. No, that no, is not true. He, that is what happened, to- people. He told me where to plug things in. <laughs> I did. I go, you see this thing? Put this thing in that thing. <laughs> what I what I loved, though, uh, was Derek, because Derek told me the tale afterward. And it reminded me of whenever you're first building a computer um, and you boot up and things don't go exactly according to plan right away. And there's that immediate freak out of, oh, my gosh, I dropped this much money on this. And now upon boot up, something's wrong. Everything's wrong. It's all on fire. What's going on? <laughs> oh, yeah. He told me you had a little bit of that moment, and I thought, you know, that's great. You got that out of the way. Future future times, you won't have to worry about that. But Yeah, it happened when I, I gave him one of my old SSDs, and I had forgotten to wipe it. That was my bad. And so, you know, we booted up, and everything's still on there. <laughs> it won't format the disk, and he's he was freaking out a little bit. But Well, I, I'm like, we literally – we have literally done nothing with this thing except plug it in. <laughs> So, you know, the natural response is, what the hell did I did not – what didn't I plug in or what did I put, plug into the wrong spot? <laughs> so It's all good. You're, you're up and running now. So The window of games, oh, man, my Steam list is getting ever – it's ever-growing. So there's this really cool game that's coming out here. Um, I haven't checked it in a minute, but it's called Killing Room. And it's exactly – it's basically The Running Man, the movie The Running Man with Schwarzenegger in a game format. <laughs> Ooh, I'd play that. So, oh, it's awesome. You just watch it on Steam. Basically, um, there's rooms that are created, and you enter the room. You can either enter the room and pass and make money, or you can walk away and um, choose to go to a different room or do something else, right? But these rooms have, like, bosses in them, and they have, like, puzzles, and these rooms are all about – you know, beating the room. So there was this really cool boss in the uh, trailer. I watched about 16 minutes of the gameplay. Super stoked. I cannot wait to download that. Cool, you might man. want to check it out, man. It's a good, yeah. it looks like it's going to be good. I'll keep my eye out for it right right now. Like I'm playing so many games, you know, between Gears of War 2, Diablo 3, Overwatch, uh, Pokemon Alpha Sapphire, and Pokemon Moon, you know, so... I don't know. David, what about you? Um, well, I've uh, of course I've been been pretty busy with Wildstar. I actually hopped back on uh, DCUO. Oh um, yeah. DC Universe Online. And I did that primarily cool. because they've got uh, a deal going on right now where if you log in, um, 
you get a free level 30 character. That's their cap, level 30, and then you kind of build up after that. So you get a free level 30 character. And if you're a subscriber, which my subscriber membership, uh, I let lapse, but I let it lapse after I went ahead and made my second character, which is what you got a second 30 level character if you were still a subscriber. So and that's actually still going on until... January 31st, I think. So anybody who's maybe curious about it and wants to grab the game, um, it's, you know, it's free on Steam. You could just download it and then make a level 30 character. And then when you get around to it, you know, it'll go through and walk you through everything. So I think they're doing that. They they are trying to bolster um, numbers as best they can. I think they would have a lot better luck bolstering numbers if they would uh, help eliminate the toxic community that I think they suffer from. Um, but as a DC nerd, you know, I absolutely love it. Um, I went back. So there's the Ghostbusters video game um, that came out. Let me see. Let me look up the date here. Ghostbusters, this, go ahead. I was, I was going to ask, is this like the, the one that came out a few years back? Yes. Yes. The one where you had the original voices from the original actors and you were a no-named newbie who joined the team. You're literally no name because they didn't ever reference you by anything. You were just the newbie. Um, and it, it was all the nostalgia that I really needed in a, in a Ghostbusters game. The graphics were perfect. The lines were perfect. The, the humor was there. Um, and I went and I did that because there was a new Ghostbusters game that mm-hmm. came out uh, when the uh, new Ghostbusters movie came out. Now, it's a controversial controversial movie some people didn't like the new one i personally loved it um but the game that came out with it was absolute garbage and it was a 60 dollars title of absolute garbage um oh it was it was awful so i decided to go back and kind of cleanse my palate with the ghostbusters <laughs> that you know help help make my inner my inner child laugh so uh played a bit of that Aside from that, what, that's one of the titles that did not port well to the original Wii. I will say yeah. that. I had yeah. that version of the game, and man, that was rough. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you would think it would be great. I mean, you know, you've got you got the whole act of ghost busting and and everything you could do motion wise. Um, but yeah, if they don't if they don't follow through with making that a lot of fun, if it becomes tedious or as a pain in the ass for the sensor to pick up exactly what you're doing. While you're trying to also wrangle a ghost, I could see why well, that would be be pretty frustrating. Yeah. So you guys are playing that on the Wii U. What what console are you playing? I'm this playing on? mine on the PC. I play PC. mine on the cool. PC. Um, I also so when we were talking about horror games, um, I went and downloaded a game from way back, uh, Vampire: The Masquerade Bloodlines. Um, I, I actually am a LARPer, so I LARP the Vampire, the Masquerade, and I play the tabletop of it. And the video game, for its time, is fantastic, and I think is probably way beyond uh, – it's it's way advanced for when it came out. And there's a small, um, fervent community of people who play this and keep it updated and everything like that and keep it relevant. But since we're talking about horror games, there's one specific part of it uh, where the horror – in this mansion that you go to is is really just fantastic uh, and really kind of get your, you know, get the goosebumps going. So played that for a little bit. Unfortunately, it is dated enough that the graphics kind of lose me sort of quick. Um, but the story is good, so, you know, there's what, always... What kind of time frame are we talking about? When it came out? Yeah, I mean, like, are we talking like 90s or early 90s? Is it a PC only? I mean... Yeah, it's PC only. Okay. 
I, I feel like I've heard of this game. I, I have never played it, but I don't know if they're rebooting or they're creating a new one in that franchise, but there is a vampire game coming out here this year. Yeah. Is that so vamp- relevant? It is. Um, so, okay. Vampire the Masquerade, the owning company of White Wolf, has passed uh, the torch on to different companies quite a few times. And in so doing, they had a MMO project started up that sounded like it was going to be really great. Uh, but as the torch got passed, things, you know, the ball got dropped. Well, now there's a new company that has it, and they're actually going to do um, something. It was supposed to be an MMO. I don't know that it's going to turn out to be that after all, but it's coming out. I think um, was it Car Carmine or one of the companies that made it uh, is is pretty good about their their video games. It's, uh, to answer your question, two thousand four. Oh, okay. So that's not that. Well, that's, so. not, that, that's like Half Life two. That's yeah. like around Half Life two. Those graphics, you know, if you crank them up all the <laughs> way, they can still look pretty decent. Yeah, John, did you did you overclock that new ten sixty? <laughs> Uh, yes, I did, in fact. <laughs> yeah, did Derek help you do that, or? No, there is built-in software, so oh. this is very, MSI makes that very easy I, to do. I'm, I'm just curious, so when you're playing Half-Life 2, when you overclock that 1060, what, what do you, is it, like, become, like, VR, and you get sucked in, or, like, what happens there? Uh, sure. Well, see, <laughs> what happens is, the screen becomes all blurry, and then somehow, <laughs> no, 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 it, it just, you increase your frame rate, and the game just looks smoother. That's basically I, I, I want to play Half-Life 2 at like 140 frames a second, you know, 4K graphics, <laughs> and, uh, it's, as it's it was meant to be played. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no, some games don't age well. Just, just a fact of life. I Seriously. don't agree. I think a Half-Life lot of the Star Trek is... games, the old Star Trek games were great at the time, and they do not age well. So, all right, so let's actually, let's, let's segue this then into our big topic, retro gaming. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason I really wanted to talk about this was I'm in some different video game groups on Facebook, of course, and one of them is a retro gaming group, and people can sell stuff, and I was wondering if the Wii counted as a retro console yet, um, because, you know, it's... As of March 3rd, it will be three generations old for Nintendo. It's 10 years old as a console, so, uh, 10 and a half. And so what constitutes retro gaming? So let's talk a little bit about what that term even means. What does it mean to you guys, retro gaming? Well, I mean, for me, in order to be a retro game, it has to have a, a certain visual effect to it. I don't care how old it is. If the visual effects are good enough that it feels somewhat modern, I don't I don't necessarily think it's retro. I think you have to go back to uh, Nintendo 64 and earlier that you're going to see something that is that is more retro. If I'm um, looking at like blockheads like I see in uh, in Goldeneye uh, or or, you know, like you would see in Ocarina of Time, that is kind of retro for me. Uh, it needs to be able to be broken down in a, in a very pixelated way that you can clearly tell that it is an old video game. Um, and I don't necessarily think the Wii qualifies. I mean, is it old? Sure. Is it retro? No, I don't think it feels retro on on the I games agree. that are on Wii yet. Uh, I think if you throw back, you know, because if you look at, at all the stuff that's on the retro 
shirts that they sell and all the merch that gets out, you're going to eight eight bit, sixteen bit games, sometimes the thirty two bit games, um, as being defined as retro. I personally feel like the Nintendo sixty four could qualify, but everything that that kind of designates what is and what isn't retro doesn't seem to necessarily have to fall within a timeline in so long as it has that kind of retro appearance and feel to it, you know? So then, like, to you, a game like, for example, like Shovel Knight, I don't know if you're familiar with Shovel Knight, but it's basically like an 8-bit, 16-bit style game that's very new. Yes. Um, and it, it kind of takes advantage of the old little tricks, you know, like the old Mario where you can jump up above the level, you know, and things mm-hmm. like that. But it's a, it's a new game uh, by Yacht, Cl- uh, Yacht Club Games. Um, you know, it came out a couple of years ago, even. I don't even know if it's two years old now. Uh, so that, to you, would be considered retro because of the style. Yes, I think retro is, is a style and not necessarily an, an age. Um, and that same with Broforce. Broforce, I feel, is a retro game. Um, so you can make games that are in that retro style, and you'll see that they'll be popular with a certain crowd of people. And all these people typically like retro, old-feeling games. Um, so if I can slap on some corduroys and like rainbow <laughs> suspenders, and I could feel like I can wear this on my shirt... Uh, then, you should have worn that tonight then, man. I mean... Maybe maybe in the future I will grace you all <laughs> with the, the brown corduroys and... I'll grow I want to see the rainbow suspenders. That's what I yeah, want to see. Throw my nanu nanu out there with it. Um, That that predates both you kids, by the way. You None of you guys... Nanu nanu? Mork and Mindy? Mork and Mindy? I love Mork and Mindy. John? Mork and Mindy? All right, uh, that's all we needed to know. Case in point... Um, it was a, a Robin Williams show where he was an alien and uh, he lived on Earth and, you know, yada, yada. You know, I didn't – I wasn't a Robin Williams fan until later. Until oh, okay. later. I'm glad you yeah, finished like, that sentence. Yeah. <laughs> I tried to clarify it. Otherwise, you're going to go to the church of Robin Williams whether you like it or not. <laughs> no, Seriously. no. I, I, I've caught up on a lot of his titles and I, I do like him. But it, it took a while for me to get there. I mean he was great as Genie. Like <laughs> – I'm sure you really enjoyed that performance while you were crapping in your pants. Um, (laughs) Hey, Jafar was scary, dude. So, so, so John. Retro, retro, yeah. What, John? What's your definition, John, of of retro gaming? Um, it's it's pretty similar to David's, but for me, the classification is arcade style. For me, so a game that feels arcadey will automatically, in my opinion, I mean, regardless of its date, it will be... How how do you handle, like, racing games and fighting games that are still made today in arcade style, but with updated graphics? Um, like, I'll give you an example, like, the Street Fighter that they're planning to launch for Switch. Yeah. It looks updated, but it's still... Just on the screen caps that we've seen, it still looks like a very... Old. It looks like Street Fighter Two, like when it first well, that came. That one out. does, you know. But like, there's like a Mario Kart arcade game that's like newer, you know, Wii Wii U level Mario Kart graphics, um, or the new Cruisin' game that's coming out. Like these are going to be more, you know, 2010, 2015 graphics. Do you consider that to still be retro since it's arcade? Yeah, it really just depends on when you start feeling it. Honestly. Um, it's a feeling thing. It's not. It's not necess- It's a stylistic choice for sure, but it's how the game plays and the mechanics. Like I feel, 
in the old games that I've played, there are always little hidden mechanics that you're like, holy crap, I can do this. I didn't know I could do that. Um, there are always interesting little little clues and things in there. I mean, and those are, again, those all come down to stylistic choices, but it, it is basically arcade style for me. So that is my opinion. Okay. That is why, I, I mean, I like platformers a lot. That is a, a big, big thing for me. Mm-hmm. And that, and in the sense that they give me that arcade feel. So, yeah. And I, and I feel retro is still alive as a gaming style. I mean, thanks to a lot of these indie companies, uh, like you said, with Shovel Knight, you know, the retro can still very much be alive and be a lot of fun. Uh, especially if you enjoy a kind of game that you're not meant to take too seriously, but you're meant to have a lot of good laughs and a, and a good time playing it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think it is a style thing. I think it's an art form. <laughs> I mean, it may sound silly, but I really do think that there is an art to retro gaming, both in development and design. Uh, and I think that it's that's something that will probably be appreciated as long as my generation's around. I think it's doomed as soon as John's comes to power. But <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're all we're all millennials here, apparently. Yeah, yeah, we are. Uh, I just don't want to go with the Gen Xers. I guess I'll take I'll take. <laughs> Um, do you so, guys make your own water in house? Is this organic? Organic <laughs> no, water. Those, it's those actually uh, it's cage free. It's cage free. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't eat anything with a face. Everything's um, answered in a question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so my definition is a little more cut and dry. I think because I just want to go off of an age. I think of it more like the way we have music genres, and you have classic rock, and you have oldies. Um, so for me, retro gaming. I think 15 years old. If it's 15 years old or older, I would put it in the retro game category. So um, hold on. I'm going to cut you off right there. So okay. you just quizzed me about games that are coming out that feel older. Mm-hmm. So that would not fall in retro for you. So for me, that would be a, old. It would be a modern game that's done in a retro style. Style, right. You know, uh, but the game itself would not be retro, just like the console itself would not be retro. Um, you know, like, so for example, I mean, you've got that new, that Sega, um, drawing a blank on the one, the name of it, the one that came with the preloaded games. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. like the NES classic, like, you know, the NES classic is not a retro console. It is a modern console that has retro games. Cause you know, it's got HDMI and, you know, um, micro USB and things like that. And it can display in 1080p. Uh, you know, a real NES is not going to be able to do any of that no. unless you buy that. There's this, there is a $500 NES that some other companies making now. Uh, that's all HD, but that's tangent. Um, so for me, if, if you look, if I, if we take the 15 year thing, that basically means that the, um, the Wii, the original Wii, the original Xbox and the PlayStation two would be the newest generation consoles that would be considered retro gaming. Hmm. So you're just basing it strictly on being obsolete or discontinued. Not not discontinued because I mean you know the the Wii and the PlayStation Three and the Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty are all discontinued, but um, I'm looking more at just an age range. What what feels older? If you were to go back and play one of those games, you know it, there takes a certain amount of effort to go back and play a. Um, an, an original Xbox game or in a GameCube game. But what you're talking about with how it feels when you play it is all a design and development thing. That can be done in a newer game. I think I think your definition with it having to meet a certain age point is great for people who are collectors. 
And for vintage stock, because they kind of, you know, have that angle on we sell these old dated systems that are retro. But, you know, if it has to feel a certain way when you play it in order to be retro, then age be damned, it can feel that way. You know, if there was a game that was ahead of its time back when it was on the SNES, you know, okay, so there's no SNES game that I could definitively say wouldn't still be considered retro. Yeah, that would be tough. Right. But, you know, sometimes there were limitations. But I think that, you know, uh, I don't know. I'm more of the style thing. I think that the the age thing works for people who are, are collecting things or, you know, like to see, wow, I've got this old mint condition Nintendo that, you know, still functions and all that sort of stuff. That, But, but for me, you know, I don't have to have that necessary bar of having to be so many years old before it can ride my retro train. Um and that's that's kind of where I am with it. So where do you guys stand on PC games? In that, well, in that I regard? think for you guys, it's it might be a little little bit easier because it would follow the same rule as a console game, I would think. Yeah, you can make PC games that are that that are retro. Um, I think that one of the things with PC games is that it's a little harder to be retro with PC because it's. In maybe in its time, uh, the games that are that were retro were limited by the performance of the machine that they were on. Whereas with computers, those can constantly expand and grow and and become more capable. Even if you're playing an older game on it, I don't know. I just feel like for a PC, it's a little harder to have a a retro game and maybe I need to spend some more time thinking on it to, to qualify it. But um. well, for, for me on PC, I think it would actually, it kind of goes back to one of the reasons I was taught using the age for the consoles was it's kind of a hassle to hook up some of those older consoles to a modern television. Um, and I think with some PC games, if you go back to a certain style, especially those that ran off of DOS instead of Windows. Doom. See, I feel like doom would be, you can't even play those on a modern PC without doing some tricks, right? You either need a Steam version or a GOG version or an emulator or something like that to make it run. If I break out my uh, Star Wars Dark Forces disc that ran off DOS, I can't really just run that on my Windows 10 machine. It's not going to work. I have Dark Forces on my Steam right now. <laughs> right, so now that's that's how you play it, right? Because Steam's got right. you know, the emulator stuff, right? So I've got this drawer of these old games and I wish I could just, yeah, part of me is like, oh, I kind of want to build like a Windows 95 machine or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, where I got to type win, you know. Load it load load on your pebble, man. I, <laughs> we talked about yeah. this. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I will recant my statement then. I, I think you made a really good point there, Derek, that, um, you know, uh, you definitely have some of the staples of old uh, retro gaming on the PC in Wolfenstein and Doom and, and things like that. I would and, even say Duke Nukem 3D. I would yeah. even put that in there too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I think you're, I think you're right. I think that would fit, fit just fine. Um, so then this isn't guess, recorded that I said you're right. Is it? It is. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to, it's going to be my new ringtone. Um, <laughs> we're not going to leave. Uh, that. So, you know, we, we talked a bit about the games and things like that. So what makes a console in itself retro? Am I wrong in saying that the NES Classic is not a retro console? Is it? Okay, so... Yeah, games, different than consoles. I think because at that point in time, 
you're like you're talking about the style of a game and its play style and whatnot. Uh, with the console, you're really just talking about how many times do I have to blow in the cartridge? Is there a cartridge? <laughs> what's what's the like? I mean, how what's the likelihood yeah. that this thing wanting to crash on me? Um, things like that. So no, I think I, I think that, it's a hardware thing. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I Truly. think that's more succinctly putting it. I think it's hardware with consoles, <laughs> but design and development with with video games. So then if we think about consoles for a minute, what would be your generational cutoff for the big three? And if you, you know, because I, I would think that probably all of Sega would be considered retro, maybe not the Dreamcast necessarily, since it was better graphics than the 64. Um, mm. what, do you, what, do you, what do you guys think would your cutoff be? I'm not ready to adopt the Xbox into that list of, of retro. No maybe, way. The, yeah. maybe the PlayStation but not the Xbox. Well, um, the original PlayStation was, was several years before. I mean, the PS2 was out before the Xbox right. was out. I, right. I say so, I say PlayStation for me. Yeah, Crash Bandicoot is is where I could definitely pull my. That's a retro ass game. And being re released. <laughs> and being yeah. re released. How freaking yeah. cool is that? So yeah, I, I could welcome the PlayStation uh, into the Hall of Retro Games gaming consoles, uh, but I don't know that I'd go a whole lot further than that. Nintendo 64 is my Nintendo cutoff. Yeah. Okay. So then for you, for would the Dreamcast be considered retro then? Hell no. Hell no. No? No, no way. Dude, that system was way ahead of its time. We talk about this all the time. I always, I'm always, David, I'm always yelling at Derek about Dreamcast <laughs> being ahead of its time. And one of the biggest things about that was it had already built in, it had built in LAN. It was set up for internet. It was – they had the most – they basically had Xbox controllers before Xbox had controllers like that. It, it, the discs were higher quality. The memory was expanded through a card. Like they were they were on it. So well, I, I say no. Well, the, 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 the original – yeah, the PlayStation had memory cards. Had memory cards? I know, but – It had discs? We're I talking mean. about the size though. They had bigger memory cards back on the Dreamcast. Well, they, they needed you were actually the games were more cool com- were bigger graphics. I mean, there was it was 128 bit, wasn't it? I think so. Let me look it up. Yeah, yeah that's six- a, that's a Google. I could see the 64. The yeah, it was obviously 64 bit, but I could see the Dreamcast being a viable battleground for this topic. So the reason I would not con- I, I, the reason I would consider the Sega Dreamcast to be considered retro is is not that it wasn't ahead of its time. Um, but to be fair, you could connect to the internet on the Super Nintendo. Um, it, you know, there were there were ways to do that back in the early '90s before the Dreamcast was even an idea. So the you know that doesn't really do it in itself. The 64 and the PlayStation both had memory cards. Um, Sega had been using discs already before the Dreamcast, let alone other companies like Sony using discs. Uh, and you know the fact that it was still very much the 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 uh, GoldenEye style graphics, right? It was you know the the edges is is the joke, right? You know you see that the Laura Croft joke of back in my day girls had edges, right? Like sure, is that yeah. kind of it was that kind of graphics. You didn't start getting the smooth character design until you saw the Xbox and the GameCube, and you know the PlayStation was always a little bit different the way they handled their graphics anyway. So I would consider the the Dreamcast to be just an incremental improvement on the 64. Well, and it looks like it was a 64-bit processor. Oh, okay. Um, 
Yeah, so that's what I'm what I'm reading here. It's funny because I found forums that are from back in 2002 where people are like, "Oh, using bits to measure the system is so old school." And like, this is 2002. <laughs> uh, you guys are saying this, and I, I guess I can't really argue it. I mean, the bits thing really did fall by the wayside and became more of a marketing strategy than anything else. But um, it 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 may have been a 64-bit system, but it could definitely feel like it could could push out a lot more than that. So. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely more sophisticated than the 64, but like I said, I think it's just an incremental improvement mm-hmm. on the 64. I wouldn't consider it to be even another generation of consoles ne- necessarily. It's more like a up to an angle than like a... It's like, right. Just, yeah. So I think for, for me, my console cutoff would be, um, for retro gaming, would be... The, see, it's tough. I, I want to say that you know the Xbox and the GameCube and back... Uh, would be considered retro. That would include the PS2 uh, because I really think it was the next generation of consoles that I could consider to be modern consoles. You know, the Wii, the Xbox 360, and the PS3 are modern consoles. You know, you had Blu-ray, you had HD DVD, you had motion controls, you had uh, HDMI. These were modern technologies that you didn't have in the generation before. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you weren't even using component cables. You were using, you know, just the normal RCA cables, you know? Um, and I think that's a really big difference between PS2, Xbox, GameCube, and then jumping to that next level with the 360, PS3, and the Wii. Yeah. Yeah. That's well put, man. I, I don't have any arguments other than the Dreamcast thing. <laughs> that's deep, bro. That's deep. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, so let me let me ask you guys this then: Is there a third realm where you have modern modern games and consoles, retro games and consoles? Is there a classic? Is there something that goes back far enough that it shouldn't even be in the same conversation as a Super Nintendo? No, man that that sums it. I I mean, Atari maybe. Yeah, I'd say Atari could definitely qualify. Um, uh. Because I think yeah. I would throw Coleco, a Coleco and Atari. You know, you had Pong and you had Time Pilot, and there was really no color or anything like that. When the the NES came on, I felt like that was just a completely different ball game. What about the Jaguar? Forgot about the Jaguar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I never played a Jaguar. I can say that confidently. So. Nor did I. Nor did I. But if you go up to Vintage Stock, a dude in skinny jeans and a flannel shirt will gladly <laughs> sell you one. With and tell a, you that it's literally the only way to game. Right, right. <laughs> it's organic. <laughs> so how, how do you guys feel about that? Do you, do you feel comfortable in saying that the Coleco and the Atari and I guess the Jaguar uh, would be considered classic gaming? Yeah, and I think classic gaming could also fall onto some of the, the older uh, PCs. So mm-hmm. I think you could, could say that as well. But yeah, I mean, especially pre mouse, if you go to, you know, pre windows 3.1, you know, when you didn't have that type of interactive GUI floppies, you got floppy disks, right? Five and a quarter floppies, man. I had some great (laughs) games on those, you know, pre windows. It was a totally different kind of gaming community. It's just so funny thinking about it. Like some of those floppy disks. I remember, um, my father being like, yeah, man, this has like, this has like. 
25 megabytes on it. This is a huge deal. <laughs> like, it's like you, right. you look at that and you're like, man, I take pictures. I send texts bigger than that now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, there's that there's that photo that goes around social media, and it, it's uh, it's a picture of the very first screen of the original Super Mario Brothers, and the quality of the image is actually larger than the entire game. <laughs> wow. Like, um, wow. And you know, it, it's interesting how we've just we've changed. You know, I remember my, my first jump drive was a 256 megs and it was a hundred dollars. And now I can walk in the micro center and for 30 bucks, I can get like 64 gigs, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, all right. So the other thing I wanted to talk about as we get close on time here is mobile games, not, um, they're handheld games, excuse me, not mobile games, handheld games. Do you think that handheld games should be held to a different type of sliding scale when it comes to what's retro or modern for that type of stuff? Uh, I'm going to start with, yeah, because the Game Boy really was the first, um, I don't know, in my opinion, like what was the one that Nintendo created? Was it the Game Boy was the first one? I mean, there was They had the Virtual Boys and all these other things, but... No, Game Boy was long before the Virtual Boy. The Virtual Boy was the 90s, but... Didn't um, they have... Well, David, you you tagged us in something that had the uh, classic cartridges. Didn't Sega have a travel one like that? The Game Gear. Yeah. 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 So Um, that... I mean, Nintendo had some one-off stuff like Game & Watch and things like that that were mobile, but they only had the one game. There, there weren't. You couldn't put in other games. The Game Boy was the first one for Nintendo that could do that. Um, but like for me, I think the Game Boy and the Game Gear are completely different things because the Game Gear was full color. It had much better graphics. It was yeah. a much better just uh, form factor design. For me, they felt like completely different generations of video gaming. Well, and, and you had you know things that were really kind of different for its time you had like the uh, tamagotchi pets right i mean that was sure that was mobile gaming of a sort right yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> i didn't even think about that no i mean i think it's good point david <laughs> good point. Yeah. and then so. you know so things kind of changed when nintendo went to the the clamshell design in the original ds and you had a touch screen and you know later they you know they added 3d of course so I think that you've got the generation. I think retro handheld gaming would have to be pre DS. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, the party. Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance. I think those all feel pretty retro. I think um, there weren't a lot. Of, there weren't a lot of play. I mean, there were plenty of of handhelds, but there weren't a huge number of of players that really kind of uh, anted up to that scene as much as Nintendo. So. I think Nintendo really set the pace for what would be considered retro uh, or modern or whatnot with that because, you know, not only did they kind of originate it, but they're also the ones who really stuck through and and followed through with it. So, uh, but yeah, they have to be to an entirely different scale than what you're looking at with regular consoles and stuff. It just can't, can't be the same. Yeah. I mean, I think that's fair. I mean, Sega tried it with the Game Gear and even though the Game Gear was superior, Game Boy won out. Well, and then, the P the PS Vita is yeah, I would say superior, but it's not gonna. I mean, it doesn't have anywhere near the following. It's super underrated, and that's just what it is. But when it comes down to it, Nintendo's got that market locked. So, oh yeah, yeah. I, I was I was gonna bring the the PSP and the Vita up next because I mean I think I think maybe the downfall for them was the the discs that they use those uh, UD discs or whatever they mm-hmm. were called, right? Um, 
you know, because they were they were a little weird. I remember you know seeing those in stores, and I thought it was kind of odd. It was like a disc that was kind of in a cartridge, right? Right. You know, so it felt like okay, it's Sony, so they want discs, but it's mobile, so they still need the cartridge, and they weren't really sure what to do with it. Right. Um, I don't know if that hurt them at all, but yeah, Nintendo just for some reason over the years from Game Boy to 3DS has just dominated that market. You know, yeah, it's. I mean, to be fair, it, you know, the 3DS line has really kept them afloat during the Wii U time frame of the last four and a half years. True, those things still sell like hotcakes every time a new paint color is out. True. True. Well, they're, by they're the way, if anybody, wants to, if anybody wants to trade uh, a 3DS XL, a new 3DS XL, they got like the Galaxy one. I've got a red one that works just fine. I'd be happy to trade it because I really want that Galaxy print, even though it's it's purple. I think it's just right up my alley. So, <laughs> I wanted one of those uh, on Black Friday. They had the white and the black Mario ones, and mm-hmm. they're not XL. If they were XL, I would have wanted it. But my eyes, I, the screen's too small for me personally. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and my kids do great with the regular uh, 3DSs. They don't have any problems with that. I needed the XL. I've got these hand hands, and I needed to have something uh, that went along with it. I will say, though, that one thing surprised me, that I had, I was late to the 3DS game. Um, but not coming with a charger in the box, I think, was a little crummy. I think was not not above board. And I know those new ones that came out on Black Friday didn't come with it. And I think you had said that, or maybe it was a different friend of mine, Derek, that had said that the XLs. It's just me. (laughs) Me! They had said that they don't come with it in the XLs anyway. And so it's a $10 charge. It's not the end of the world. Definitely not breaking the bank. But it's kind of crummy. You need to throw a charger in there at the very basic. I mean, the very the very least, it needs to have a means by which someone can play it and then play it again uh, and not come yeah. in the box. It, well, dude, it, it was a change. It. it was a change when they had the, quote, new 3DS. Mm-hmm. Uh, prior to the new 3DS, it came with a charger, and uh, it actually came with, like, I hesitate to call it a docking station. It's more of like a stand. Uh, it still uses this charger cable, you know? Uh, right. Kind of like the Wii U stand for the gamepad, uh, and then for some reason, and I was I was not a fan of this. I thought this was really weird. And when they launched the new line, they uh, I'm doing air quotes for those who can't see us. Obviously, uh, they they decided to remove the charger, and I thought it was a weird choice because it's a required component. Well, in the supposition that people who are buying, okay, so the only reason that I could see that would be given, and it's not a strong argument, would be. So everybody who's getting this, you're upgrading, and you should have your old charger left over. That's a really crappy supposition, and there's no possible way you think that everybody that's getting a new 3DS is upgrading from an old 3DS. I feel like that, if you were actually trying to use that as a viable reason why it was totally cool to stiff people a charger, that that's some crap. Um, no, I agree with you, and especially because it is only like 10 bucks. Right. You, Just include you know, so it. It's Make not it a big expense. Yeah. yeah. Just make it convenient. We'll pay the gla- we'll gladly pay the extra ten dollars to your console. Right. <laughs> Nobody has a- disposable income like nerds, so it'll it'll happen. Just put it in the damn box. <laughs> yeah, it it's a misstep, and I, I want to make sure I make this distinction. I think that that was a huge mistake because it's a required component. You cannot charge it any other way. You need a charger, um, and the bat the batteries are not removable really. So that's on you. Um, I do want to say that that's different than the people who are up in arms about the Switch, the grip, the Joy-Con grip is not 
the Joy-Con Grip Charge. The Joy-Con Grip Charge, it can be purchased separately. It's a $30, it's $29.99. The regular grip that comes in the box is $14.99. I know some people are upset about this because they want to charge the Joy-Cons while they play. I do want to point out, though, that it charges with the Switch, so it comes with the charger, number one. Right. Uh, and number two, there are no con- no controllers on the market that come with a console that charge while you're playing them. That that's not a thing. Well, nothing uh, wireless, the- but I mean, right? But they're yeah. all they're all that's the thing. They're they're wireless. They're all wireless, right? So I don't think that that's a fair thing to kind of get on Nintendo about because nobody is doing that. Well, here's my counterpoint to that, and it's not that I disagree with you, but. If you're going to come out and you're going to start with the Nintendo Switch and you're going to be the innovator and you're going to be the one doing things differently, then doing what's already being done doesn't differentiate you. That just puts you in the same same bill. And if you really want people to feel excited for your stuff and you're going to have a pseudo-weak game line, at least they could feel like, well, you know what? You know, new stuff will come out. I get the full package here. Granted, revenue-wise, it's probably not the best way to get every penny out of it but if you're going to differentiate yourself if you're going to make people psyched to get it make them feel like they're getting getting a whole lot out of it i mean i, that, I agree to an extent you can't they it, can't do everything right it's, they've got to stay yeah. along that price point man they already had to sacrifice a lot to keep us under 300 dollars. honestly i mean that's I read the whole key. article yeah now, the, no, the price point is really important. I mean, people kind of talk – like Amazon's a good example of this with the Kindle Fire. When the Kindle Fire first launched, they were selling it at a loss at, at $200. Um, it was $199.99 and it cost them – I think it was like 207 to actually produce it um, if I remember right. But they, you know, it was in the titles. And I, I would think that Nintendo's probably not selling this at a loss. I don't want to say that. But I will say that the margin's got to be pretty tight um, considering what it is. You know, the other consoles – launched at four and five hundred dollars a piece uh this is a tablet at the end of the day and you show me a good tablet that you can get you know under the the uh the three hundred dollar price range and it's probably from amazon so um you know the ipads are still significantly more than that um so i think the, the margin's really tight on this i just wanted to make the the comparison because it's not the joy con the joy con grip charge is not a necessity it's a nice to have the charger for a 3DS is a necessity. Otherwise, you get six hours out of that handheld and you got to toss it. So. Yeah. 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 All right. Yeah. So I think unless you guys have anything else uh, that you want to add, I think that's probably – I did uh, have one more thing um, and this is from uh, kind of the, the PC gaming thing. Uh, so – I have DCUO. Uh, there's also a game out there called Marvel Heroes, which is like Diablo, uh, except for you get to play as different Marvel characters. Uh, they just did a big update to their game and, and play style and stuff like that. I haven't even got to play it yet. It just happened today. Um, so it is a free-to-play game. Uh, there are some microtransactions, of course, if you end up buying your favorite characters. But I think that, that from, from what it looks like, uh, it was already a fun game. I think they just made it a lot more fun. And I look forward to, to talking about it. I think other people should go try it too. Cool. Yeah, I mean, we could always use more uh, more solid superhero games, I think. Yeah, hell yeah. You know. um, all right, so I want to know what you guys out there who are listening think about uh, some of the stuff we talked about tonight. Uh, whether it's retro gaming, do you, do you think one of us kind of has that definition in line? Do you think it's a fourth option? Is there something else that you 
consider to be retro gaming. Uh, hit us up on all the social media stuff. We're at Heroes Podcasts, and that's plural. And you can go to heroespodcast.com to, uh, to find all of our cool stuff. Uh, do us a favor, though. Go on iTunes and drop us a review on iTunes. If you do that, I promise we'll give you a shout-out on the podcast with your, your iTunes name and, and all that kind of good stuff. And if it's uh, not too long of a review, we'll, we'll read it on the episode too. So, you know, what we could also do Derek, is we could do something along the lines of, you know, we randomly pick one reviewer uh, and they could pick one of the three of us to take a pie in the face or something fun like that. Right. Like that's Ooh, always, that'd be great. I like that idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We can incentivize with our own, our own pain and suffering. Uh, well, it's pie, it, our, so. our pain is your, your gain, right? It, and we'll video, we'll videotape it. Cause we're talking about retro gaming. We'll videotape right. it on high eight millimeter Bam. and we'll, uh, we'll put that up on the YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing says desperate, like wanting to take a pie in the face to get people to review you. It's true. I'm okay. I'm it's okay definitely with it, true. I'm in with it. <laughs> uh, but you know, if, if iTunes isn't your thing, we're on Google play, we're on feed burner. You can get us on whatever you want. So please do that. And uh, we'll be back next week, but I'm not going to tell you what the topic is. You'll have to wait and come back to find out. So, uh, so any, do any that. Par- <laughs> any any parting words, guys? I need you to do that. You want to know about the next topic? You need to come back. Okay. All right, that sounds good. All right, well, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you guys next week. the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! <sniffs> and this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash... Hmm. You can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of hefty large black bags. This episode is made possible by PwC. A robot may not be coming for your job, but competitors are coming for your market share. At PwC, we pair the right tech with the right solutions to help you gain a competitive edge. Reimagine operations from the cloud, fuel innovation with responsible AI, and detect risks before they become headlines. That's human-led and tech-powered. It's all part of The New Equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com.